Hello, and welcome to the Yukon Entrepreneur Podcast Series, a series all about how Yukoners are adapting their businesses during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm your host, Carrie Johnston, and I'm filming today on the traditional territory of Champion and Ajac First Nations in beautiful Dakota Haines Junction, and I'm joined today by Vanessa. Vanessa, please introduce yourself. Hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me back. So um, most folks have a hard time with my last name, so this will be handy. This is the like the sounded out. So my name, my first name is Vanessa. My last name is Ayer's daughter, and I'm at my home, and I'm in uh, the Quinlan Dunn Territory and the Taan Council First Nation Territory, and this is just outside of downtown Whitehorse. Well, thanks for joining us, Vanessa. And yes, welcome back. You were one of our guests in season one. So it's wonderful to have you back again. So just tell us a little bit about what it is that you do as an entrepreneur. Oh God, what don't I do? Um, <laughs> I wear every single hat that there is, but the, the short answer is, is I'm a, a jewelry designer and textile artist. I own a store in the Horwoods Mall called B. Ayer's Daughter, but folks are most familiar with our fur brand, which is Wild Yukon Furs. And that is a specialty line of uh, jewelry and housewares. And it's all made with Yukon First Nations source Wild Yukon Fur. Wonderful. And how long have you had your business? We opened in 2018. Okay. And Vanessa, thinking back in time, like what's your first memory of the pandemic when you realized that this was going to be a significant event in our history? I was giving a talk uh, last week and I was describing my experiences. I was like the, the embodiment of Chicken Little. I was certain that the sky was falling. Uh, it, the pandemic happened like about a week after I came home from my honeymoon and about two weeks before my birthday. So it was like, it was a time that was supposed to be really great. And then it ended up being really terrible. Um, and so we, yeah, so the pandemic started at like early March. And then by the end of March on my actual birthday in the like trying to be nimble and adapt quickly to the, to the pandemic, I was trying to make what was previously a terrible website work and it didn't work and then it broke. And I had to nuke the entire website and rebuild it all on my birthday. There was, you shouldn't cry on your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> that is a pretty, that's a core memory right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Working through that one in therapy a little. <laughs> so Vanessa, what have you learned about your business model during the pandemic? I mean, you just mentioned there the importance of a website, but what else are you learning? Oh my goodness. We've learned so much. Um, you know, I think as, as any entrepreneur, you have these big dreams of places that you want to take your business to and how you want to scale and grow. And the one, one of the biggest things is, you know, like I just said that, you know, being nimble was key. Um, we, we realized right away that we had to make big decisions really quickly and steer the ship in a new direction. And had we been a much bigger ship, the turns would have taken a lot longer to execute. So being small was really advantageous. Um, another thing that we learned through the pandemic was the importance of having, you know, multi channels of distribution. Most retail is, you know, any any store that that is direct to consumer and they have a retail existence, but they also exist online. It's usually an 80 20 um, sort of cash flow stream, 80 percent coming from the bricks and mortar. But once that disappeared, we had to shift and we saw 70 percent of our revenue coming from the website. So, you know, having, you know, having our eggs in more than one basket was certainly key. We, we got better at what we were doing online and trying to recreate the in-store experience and make the online shopping experience as rich as possible and to replicate, you know, the really critical elements like the connection and storytelling, try and, you know, figure out ways to deliver that same kind of experience in the online purchasing experience for folks. Um, and then the other thing that we had learned uh, was, Gosh, what was it? It was just in my head and now it's gone. There was one more thing. 
I think it was just mostly about being nimble, being able to move quickly. Oh, I know what it was. We we had considered um, trying to cast a wider net and diversify these these streams of income in addition to having this questionable bricks and mortar, having an online uh, presence. And then we were looking at doing wholesale as well, just trying to diversify ways to bring in revenue. But what we learned was that we're not a product that uh, thrives in a wholesale environment because we rely so heavily on storytelling being at the core of how we conduct business. Letting someone else tell our story for us just wasn't effective. We definitely tried it. We worked with influencers. We, we explored a bunch of different ways of partnering with other people and tried to educate them on how to best tell our story but really the the best person to tell our story is always us so to this day we remain a direct-to-consumer brand and we're scaling with that being in the forefront of our decision making that's one of the key metrics is how can we honor the importance of the storytelling and that one-to-one relationship building kind of um you know way of of connecting with our customers well, the storytelling works because as you were mentioning that, I was thinking about these fabulous earrings that I'm wearing that I picked up from your store just before Christmas time. And, you know, and, and I, I can tell the story in my head and I can tell the story about the woman that mentored you into fashion and her fabulous shirt that she used to wear. And so that that point of connection is coming through. So congratulations on that. Uh, thanks. That's good to hear. I'm glad it sticks. But that's there's the proof right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you learning about your customer? Who is your customer these days? Well, our, our customer is about to uh, shift a little. So for the most part, you know, I've done some exercises that have allowed me to really define who my customer is in terms of the different segments that they occupy, um, how they identify sort of, you know, in a gender based context, uh, what their education level is like, what their income level is like. And for the most part, I kind of have two core demographics and sort of one of them is in the like 20 to 40 age group. And then the other is in that 40 to 60 age group, whether they're buying for themselves or as gifts and what their their motivators are. So having done the, the exercises early on in the pandemic and then watching and seeing if the consumer behavior aligned with what I thought I understood and seeing it be confirmed has been a really validating exercise and a good practice to ensure that I I kind of maintain that awareness of who those people are and what motivates them to make purchases. And again, that brings me back to the not choosing to go the wholesale route because the storytelling and our, you know, our, our company values, how much those have to align with the values of our customer and understanding which values are held by which segment has been really key to not just surviving the pandemic, but continuing to see growth. Now, I had also indicated that, you know, our our customer base is shifting a little. And I say that because we have an opportunity coming up that we had originally wanted to pursue right before the pandemic began. The pandemic put everything on pause. And that was exploring a retail store in Skagway. So we're kind of back on the Skagway train, so to speak now. And uh, we're, we're doing everything we can to get as ready as possible so that we can take what we know of the existing customer base between our local buyers and those who buy online and to see how it applies to the audience that's in that um, cruise ship population. Wow, so you're going international, going We're to the States. Pulling the trigger. <laughs> Good for you. Well, yeah, I hear that um, they're expecting uh, cruise ship passengers to be like closer to normal levels, hey? I've Yeah, I've heard some real optimistic reports. You know, folks mm-hmm. are expecting it to be the best season they've ever had. So as long as it can at least be similar to what 2019 showed, I feel like with our conservative projections, we'll have a pretty exciting year. Well, it's a wonderful place to be in that, in that marketplace with the, the tourists coming in so so reliably and so readily in, in a normal season. Uh, leadership is inherent in all that we do as, as business leaders. What, what is it that you've learned about leadership over the past couple of years? 
Oh my goodness. Um, well, as we've kind of gone through different iterations of having folks work with us in different capacities, whether it's been, you know, bringing, trying to bring staff into the store, which is an ongoing challenge, of course, for the same reasons about the storytelling, no one can tell our story better than we can. But also with, you know, when we're working with trappers that are providing us with fur or when we're partnering with um, the Department of Tourism and, and, and making sure they understand what we represent and how we work so that when they're bringing in the fam tours of the journalists and, and different media folks that, you know, that, that we are sharing the key points with them so that they can best represent us in an enticing way so that we can then continue to tell the story on our own. So I think, you know, as a leadership um, communicates how that relates to to those sorts of relationships because we don't really have a whole lot in the way of a team it's just me and, and my husband George um, I think that leadership in that context just has to do with you know being consistent and being honest and being transparent and and also bringing a spirit of curiosity and humility and a willingness to learn and you know being being okay with standing in some uncomfortable places where maybe you have misinformation or you know you have that that strength of character to know that you don't know everything, you know, and those have been some of the, the biggest learnings, especially over the course of the pandemic, when there's so much uncertainty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We've all had to adapt to this new normal. What has been one of the most, like the adaptation that you're most proud of? We're still here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty goddamn proud of that. I mean, and, and not only am I just still here, we have, we have seen steady growth since we began. We, we didn't just survive the pandemic, we've thrived. We've been published in international fashion magazines. In March of last year, we were published in Vogue. We were in Vogue, people. That is a big deal for a little Yukon designer. Like I, I had set this standard for myself that if I could get into Vogue, that I am allowed to do whatever the hell I want. So now I get to do whatever the hell I want. So <laughs> it's a it's a really exciting time to be alive, even though the pandemic has us all very tired. And there's other stuff going on in the world that's very, very heavy and bleak and and makes us wonder, you know, what the whole point is. If we can find little bits of sparkle and little bits of joy, I'm here to tell you it's worth looking for. Well, that's that's pretty inspiring. And congratulations on being in Vogue. That was an aspirational thing when we were first met in season one. And so it's amazing to see that you achieved yeah, it. There it is. It happened. And, you know, and the funny thing is, is it's about, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're, we're, whether we're in literal agriculture or not, we are all planting seeds. We are farmers. We are idea farmers. We are dream farmers. And you plant the seeds. You don't give up on them and you just wait for them to grow. You know, you have to have, there's so much faith when, when you do this kind of work in, in any industry, you have to have faith that it's going to work out you know, and, and when you're planting those seeds, like we understand in a, in a literal biological context, if you put seeds in the ground, you're not going to stomp on them and yell and say, come out, come out, come out. You know, you have to wait. We trust that if we wait, they'll emerge and then beautiful things will happen. And I think the same sort of principle needs to apply to how we conduct our businesses and how even within our relationships as well, right? You're planting the seeds and you're, you're nurturing them and you're trusting that they will come to fruition, that they will happen. And the ones that are meant to bloom will bloom. Well, that's a wonderful analogy, Vanessa. Um, Vanessa, the public health measures have been at times and challenging. Which have you found the most difficult with your business? Um, you know, I think the one that I felt the biggest financial impact was the state of emergency that was called in November. It was terrible timing in retail. We generate the bulk of our revenue, comfortably 50% of our revenue in the last two months of the year. 
And when that state of emergency was called, I think even though not a lot changed in how we conducted ourselves, I think the, the assumption that it meant that we were in for the real deal and the gravity of what it spoke to, I think really frightened people. And for me, I saw a massive drop in revenue for November, you know? And so that was, that was a really, that was disheartening, you know, to have, we, we joked that there was tumbleweeds rolling down the hall of the mall because nobody was around. And, and that's really scary when you rely on, on those last two months of the year to get you through the, the next three, four, six months of the coming year. So that was one of the biggest things that we, we experienced as far as like really dramatic impacts, but social fatigue, is something that you know that we're all still dealing with the, oh we still have to sanitize oh we still have to wear masks and and you know i don't i don't like having to police adults i don't like having to say please put your mask on please sanitize please put your mask on please sanitize we're very tired we all know the rules you know it's not like i get up in the morning and i'm like i can't wait to put my mask on no <laughs> we're having a video call i put on lipstick so i'm not going anywhere like you know so yeah, we're all tired. And, and I, I, when folks come in and share stories with me about, you know, complaining about this service person or complaining about this lineup or this measure that's in place, that's inconvenient. I, I try to diffuse these conversations by saying, you know what, none of us are our best selves right now. And I think the best thing we can do is just have as much compassion as possible. Cause we're all tired. We're all tired. We're all doing our best. And we're all still trying to just put one foot in front of the other. So just have compassion. Wise words, Vanessa. Uh, Pandemic-related supports. Yukon government, government of Canada, have had a series of supports. Were you a, a participant in any of those? Did any of them benefit you? Yeah, um, I did the pivot program. Is that? And then there was an ECDAV one as well. Was that? That wasn't the same thing, though, was it? No, there was the business relief fund. So I benefited from a little bit of that. But the funny thing for me was that um, most of the funds I didn't qualify for because I wasn't operating at a loss. So I was experiencing a, a real smack to the revenue, but I was still making sales and still in business. Lights were on, doors were open. So I wasn't doing badly enough to qualify for funding, even though funding would have been really helpful. Um, so yeah, so I did pivot. I did the, the business relief fund. And then um, in uh, last fall, I applied for um, Incubate North, which isn't like a, a pandemic related program, but I applied to that and I got into that one as well. So that's been really, all three of those have been really important, if for no reason other than to just give me something to focus on. Because with Pivot, it was project focused. And same with Incubate North, they're project focused. So even when things are starting to drag or if it's feeling a bit bleak or if we're kind of, you know, just still kind of be bearing the burden of the social fatigue, it's giving me a really productive distraction. I'm task driven, I have outcomes to try and achieve, I have accountability, I have meetings, you know, so it's just keeping the momentum, keeping the pace, keeping me moving forward, even though some days I would like to just come home and get under a fuzzy blanket and watch Netflix. Fair enough. Uh, going forward, how are you thinking about your business differently? Where are you seeing your opportunity? Skagway straight up Skagway. Like we identified this quite a long time ago and, and started the, the wheels turning and we were forced to pause. There was gonna be no easy way to try and pull off Skagway. Even if we'd have been allowed to cross the border, there wouldn't have been anybody there to sell the products to. So, you know, truly it's a, it was a blessing in disguise because had we gotten into a lease, you know, in early March of 2020, we would have been paying on a lease and no revenue to balance it with. 
you know, so these things all work out how they're meant to. And I think, you know, now that with the lease that we're negotiating right now, it's on our dream space. I don't know how things are all going to shake down because like I say, it's still a negotiation. We may not wind up doing things the way that we imagine, but you know, what I know for sure is that if, if it's meant for me, it'll work out. And if it's not meant for me, there's probably something better coming. And I just have to, again, have faith. I have to trust that things are going to go in a way that's going to serve me and my goals and my family and whatever's going to help me do the highest good for myself or for my community. Vanessa, have you taken up any new skills to kind of better prepare yourself for the opportunity ahead? Well, I've gotten really good at uh, Googling. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think one of the things that's worked out really well, like I said, is like with working in the uh, Incubate North program, the ultimate project goal was the Skagway store. We had actually, the trajectory was for next summer, but this opportunity on a space has come up now. And so we're kind of accelerating the plan to try and execute it earlier. And so that means that I've had to kind of, you know, look at this huge project of, you know, immigration lawyer, U.S. tax attorney, U.S. corporate lawyer, Canadian attorneys, um, you know, the, the employment stuff and getting a, a place to live and a place to run the business and importing. Like, so I'm looking at this huge picture of all of these things and, and trying to like arrange them in order of urgency and priority and which is a long-term thing and what's something I can just get crossed off the list today. And, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to pace myself and not pull off, you know, doing too many things at once, you know, kind of calling too many people, getting confused, um, you know, doing any of the jobs poorly. And so pacing myself has been really key to try and make this come together in a way that's going to be really effective and sustainable. Because really, we don't like there's no real rush. There's this opportunity to get this space. If it works out for this summer, super. If the space, if the lease negotiations don't go the way that we're happy with, we wait. It's that simple. So in the meantime, I hustle, I make inventory. I'm winning no matter what, whether I'm in Skagway or here, I've got the product to sell and that just makes my life easier, you know, and it gives us more, more equity in our business because we have all of these assets to leverage as well. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, you know, the, we've seen a lot of instability in the economy, in the world, in Canada, in the Yukon. What are you hoping for as we sort of rebuild and the economy hopefully stabilizes? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, I, I think to have to have a, a stable economy bodes well for all of us that aren't employed by government, you know, where we're relying on tourist dollars, we're relying on you know, a healthy economy to keep our own small businesses going because so many of us do rely on the local consumer, the local demographic. If we have a healthy economy, then then that benefits everybody in, in a way that, that even with the folks that are working with government, if they're employed by government, those dollars are being spent in our community. And so if we can entice people to continue to do that and it keeps recirculating, then we keep, you know, expanding our local wealth, which I think only bodes well for all of us in the long run and in the short run, really, because we have such a vibrant business community and we have so many specialized and unique, incredible businesses that it would be a real shame to see any of that negatively impacted by, um, you know, any sort of downturn in the economy. Mm -hmm. Any advice for emerging entrepreneurs? Oh, I have, well, I have three things. Whenever I get asked, like, what, what little nuggets would you leave with an entrepreneur? And there's, there's three things that I always say. First of all, don't wait till you're ready. Have your idea, have a bit of an idea what you're going to do, have some knowledge, and then go for it. Learn on the job. Just go. If you wait till you're ready, you're going to wait forever. Don't do that. Start getting into it now. Roll your sleeves up, get dirty, do the thing now. 
Second piece of information tip that I would give is understand who your target market is. Don't ask your sister what she would pay for your widget. Don't ask your neighbor how much he would spend to hire you to do whatever service you're offering. Figure out exactly who your ideal customer is, what matters to them, what their values are. Really know who these people are, your dream person of like, who is going to be the, the bread and butter of your business? Like I have these two segments in mind. Figure out who those people are, what is important to them, how are you going to speak to them, and how are you going to deliver your product to them in a meaningful and sustainable way that allows you to be aligned with your values and deliver something that's really meaningful for them. And that's how you can add the best value and give yourself a really solid footing in the marketplace. So that's the second thing, know your target market. And the third piece of information, and this, this one sounds really fluffy and easy, and it's really actually super prickly and really hard. Whatever they are saying about you or thinking about you is none of your damn business. We all are spread so thin and we are so busy. Whatever you think a competitor is thinking about your business or whatever you think that that girl from high school is thinking about you and your business, you can't control it anyway. So tune it out, put your blinders on, focus, and just keep your eye on the prize and work your little biscuits off and get that goal done. Thanks, Vanessa. Any aha moments or shifts in your worldview over the past couple of years? Oh, my goodness. Um, shifts in worldview, not a ton. Um, I think I've, I mentioned this in the beginning of our conversation. Um, I think to come at life with a spirit of curiosity and humility is really, really critical. That's the only way I think that a person can, can grow with the least amount of growing pains possible. Growth is the point. We're supposed to change and evolve over time. And I think the, the more open-mindedness and open-heartedness that we can approach conversations and issues and opportunities and challenges, we're going to get the most out of it. You know, and, and so these are already values and beliefs that I held, but through the pandemic, I've had lots of opportunities to practice it. So <laughs> I would say that that's been one of the most, um, one of the things I've relied on the most is when things are difficult or challenging, or I have an opportunity to learn if I come at it with an open mind and curiosity and, you know, almost a childlike spirit of being willing to just be comfortable with not knowing. I think that's, that's been um, one of the, the greatest gifts for me because I've learned some really incredible stuff and become a better person and a better parent and a better spouse and a better entrepreneur all because of that approach. Mm -hmm. What's been keeping you grounded? What's been your wellness practice? Oh, this is the like confessional time. My wellness practice is terrible. Actually, the, the best thing I do is I sleep. I, I'm a pretty, pretty consistent sleeper and I protect my bedtime. Um, we just renovated our house and we spent many months working till about two or three in the morning. So that was like the exception to the rule, but that's, you know, that's just one of those things you have to do. Um, but aside from, from that one weird little stretch of three and a half months, um, of no sleep, generally it's, you know, seven, eight hours a night and I'm a really good sleeper. And because of that good sleep allows me to, to knock out as much as I can during the day that, and I try to stay pretty hydrated. Wise words, certainly sleep and water. <laughs> water, you can't go wrong. <laughs> uh, Vanessa, thanks so much for joining in today. Do you have any final thoughts before we close out for today? Yeah, we're all going to be okay. 
we're going to be okay. Thanks so much, Vanessa. Have a great day. Thanks for having me, Carrie.